This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Bus. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Well, from the farm to photography, we have another great story for you today. And on today's show, we have the one and only John Adams. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Right, so let's start at the beginning of your life. Where did life start out for you, John? Wow, so um, I'm in Maitland on a farm, actually. So I grew okay. up on a farm with uh, a big family. Right. Yes. How big? Yeah, we've got to, <laughs> yeah come on. Perspective. <laughs> I've got four brothers and four sisters, so wow. life was, was never a dull moment growing no. up on the farm. So, Where do you fit in with that? So I, I was the first, so I'm not sure whether they thought they needed to try harder to get or whether they thought it was really great and they just had more so it's <laughs> a different way to look at it it is a different way yeah yeah so maitland uh so farming yeah your parents were farming yes so yeah yeah just out of town uh, maitland um so yeah wheat um barley uh yeah and we had some sheep as well so yeah it was it was fun right. what's your earliest memory earliest memory um i think actually a lot of it rotates around the farm and tractors and all those sort of cool things that you get to do. So, yeah, I really enjoyed growing up. And, yeah, I think just the – it is mainly – my earliest memories are around the, the, the tractors, headers, of all the trucks and the, the siding stuff growing up, those sort of things. So, yeah, it was good. Okay. So Maitland was the starting point, but you didn't – your family didn't stay there. No, so we ended up, we moved when I was 12 to uh, Tear Peninsula, um, Cummins, um, which you know well. Mm. And uh, yeah, so from 12, um, which was a bit of a hard transition, leaving behind um, the friends that I had and like a sport and community um, to move to a new community. But uh, yeah, but that was a really important transition for our family um, in like land prices or really good on over there so it was good to be able to start again and um yeah a bit of a change for us so as a kid what was it like going to school in maitland well instantly enough my well i was actually homeschooled so didn't even have to leave the house so school (laughs) was right there mum was a trained teacher so she um actually taught us at home so she had a class of class of nine a mixture right through from reception right through to high school. So yeah, a bit of a different way of uh, doing life in school, but it was actually really quite rewarding. And we had a lot of hands-on experiences through that as well, including, I should might add, um, Help Mum Day, which right. basically okay. was sort of almost, uh, you know, like slave day, I suppose, but you get to do all the chores around the place. And uh, How exciting. At the time, I thought this is yeah. At the time, I was like, this doesn't seem very exciting, but you got to you know those skills have become really helpful in in um you know being able to prepare a meal and and uh, all the washing and all that sort of thing um, growing up. So, and I soon um, worked out how to say, well, Dad's having more doing all the fun stuff. What about if I, as the eldest, could do a help Dad day? Okay. So that sort of was a lot more fun. So I I, I was able to do that and get out and drive tractors. And so when I was 12 years old, I was actually already, Dad trusted me with the uh, with the operation of a tractor, so all okay. by myself. So by the time you moved over to Cummins, you had started to, to help out with your dad on the farm. Yeah, yeah. So I think for him too, it was like helpful to have a bit of, bit of a extra help being that he'd always had his brothers and 
other help around the farm and he would moved over by himself. So, um, must have been getting a little bit more desperate to get me involved. So yeah, yeah. but it was really helpful skills for myself. So tell us, how do you learn to drive a tractor? So like a car or how? <laughs> well, it's just a bigger version. Everything's just bigger. So you still got, you still got gears. I mean, it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more difficult to change them, but everything's similar. It's just bigger. And, um, yeah, it's a, you're up very high. So we had a, a big John Deere articulated tractor, which means it had the had eight um, wheels like the the jewels, so two wheels at the back, um, or either side, and two wheels at the front either side. So you're very high, and um, yeah, you felt like you really were a man, you know, at 12 years old driving a big <laughs> big machine. So it yeah. was really good fun. Mm. Now, uh, not not all city people would understand country life. Uh, what were some of the the things you loved about growing up in the country i think the simple lifestyle um you know which country can be judged for but there's something really great about um not being you know this slower pace of life and just being out of the well-being involved with being out in nature and um you know we would quite often be sent out after after um you know lunch on a on a saturday and say you know come back at tea time and we, we didn't have to worry about roads and um, traffic and all the other, you know, we're safe on a farm. And, you know, we, we learnt to assess our own dangers, including I, I remember uh, there's a few stories where um, we may have assessed that danger wrong. <laughs> you need to expand on Oh, you do? Yeah, you're not going to get into trouble. Oh, okay, yeah, no. well, just, yeah, careful who's listening. But, um, but I remember... Uh, one of them, my brother, um, actually climbed a pine tree. I mean, you know, trees are there to climb, aren't they? Really, yeah. if you, you know, if yeah. So he climbed up the top of this this um, pine tree, and um, he was very young. I don't know, I'm just guessing at around seven. Um, might be wrong, but and he got caught there. And he was hanging off. He fell and then grabbed the branch. And he was hanging um, just by this branch on this tree, um, and so this we have two way radios. So. On the radio, there's this con- there's this um, call going out, Dad, Dad, help! And like, because one of the kids was talking, and it's the whole community can hear hear this. <laughs> like, you know, this is you know, his brother's on the tree, and it's going, you know, and he's screaming into this, and so the whole then people from the community going, oh, we'll come over. And um, long story short, my my other brother, so this is Eric, I'm just commented him. Um, and my other brother Daniel was climbed up the tree and was like, and he and as he fell, as Eric fell, because he eventually couldn't hold, hold on anymore. Daniel was a bit of a, I think, a miracle, but um, he was able to grab his hand and swing him back onto a branch, and oh. um, it would have been a probably about a five metre fall to the ground. Yeah. So, so anyway, these are some of the stories that happened on the farm, and um, that one was um, fortunately uh, communicated, broadcasted across the whole community. <laughs> <laughs> and did the whole community turn up? Uh, well, I think we actually had a nurse drop roll roll in soon after, but everything was okay. So it's a great thing about the country. Um, so many of those um, good stories. Fun learning experiences. <laughs> Fun learning experiences. <laughs> yeah. So as you continue to grow up there, um, you know, into your teenage years, what were some of the things you got involved in in the community? Yeah, so surprisingly there was a lot to get involved in in mm. the country, So, including sport. For me, um, football, um, yeah, the mighty United Jelena, which you know, um, playing there, um, that was good, really good um community um as well as the youth group uh started out at, at tumby bay uniting youth group there um and ended up um actually being asked to, to run a youth group in the local town uh y- yelena 
um, and Cummins. So yeah, so you ended up getting involved in that uh, later on. But also uh, things like I played a bit of cricket, um, a lot of things like the beach. There's some great beaches over on Air Peninsula. And if there's somebody on the beach, you sort of go to the next beach because there's just so many of them to choose from. Mm. So they're, they're good memories. Um, but there's, yeah, surprisingly, there was a reasonable amount to do if you could find it. Is that your tip for people who are going to go over and visit, that if they do go to one of the beaches, they should go to another one because there's so many and they'll have the beach to themselves? <laughs> Maybe, yes. <laughs> there we go. Especially on the west coast. Um, like so there's the east coast, which is Port Neal, Tumby Bay along there. Um, probably a little bit busier along those towns, but you go on the west coast um, and along along there, and there's not a lot of there's so many beaches and not a lot of people. So the sort of the rule is if you go there and there's somebody there, you think, oh well, let's just go around the corner to the next one. Yeah, and a lot of good fishing um, opportunities um, over there too in the way of salmon and um, yeah, good fun. You've just changed that now though. You've put the word out, and uh, I know that's where everyone's going to be heading. I haven't haven't uh, labelled any of the beaches. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, no secret spots. <laughs> yes, you have to pay for those. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is Life First and we are talking to John. We'll be back straight after this. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app or you can share this on social media. On Life First, we're hearing John's story today, growing up on the Air Peninsula. Now, there's got to be some more stories growing up in the, the, the land of freedom and adventure over there. There's certainly some, probably some I can't talk about. <laughs> okay. That's are you wanting to, me to share one, are you? Is that what you're Yeah, I th- look, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to incriminate, incriminate yourself? <laughs> Actually, I might not. I might incriminate my good friend. Safer. <laughs> 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 yes, that's what I say for, not, not family, so I've already incriminated them. But I uh, know, I remember um, one of the great things, I remember my 12th, 12th birthday, I got a, a box with a um, uh, go-kart wheel and a few, I think it was a steering wheel and a few things. I'm like, great, I need to put it together. So basically the project was to weld up and like to make a go-kart. And so dad and I were able to make a go-kart together, which um, is a lot of fun. So we made this go-kart and it created us a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot of people used to come over just to have a ride on the (laughs) go-kart. But I remember one particular um, trip where we were, um, going around and my friend of mine who was who was getting very confident on the go-kart um was was driving um and uh, my sister was sitting on my lap and she was just like just um holding on which there's no seat belts like so we're just driving around it was pretty safe but anyway long story short she fell fell um over the edge of the go-kart as he was flying around the corner and then the wheel went over, over her and she was fine. But we that split second where you just realised that you, my best friend realised he just run over my sister. And it was like, oh, my goodness, she was totally fine. It was a very light little go-kart. But um, oh, I just remember the look, the, the look on his face. And yeah. Like, what have I done? And still to this day, we, when I see him, I talk about, are you the one that ran over my sister? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure whether I should have shared that, but anyway. <laughs> it's done now. It's done. Yeah. It's in the internet now. Okay, so you were working on the farm, but you've mentioned youth work. So was that sort of like your first type of employment outside of the farm? Yes. Yeah, so I worked for Dad straight out of um, school. I was working for Dad and mm-hmm. working on the farm, and which I really enjoyed. 
And uh, but yeah, alongside that was the youth work, which was um, just yeah, there's an opportunity to um, run a start a youth group in the local um, church in Yolanda, and um, so I yeah took on that opportunity, and yeah, it sort of started off very small. We had, I think we had two or three kids, uh, well youth coming to the youth group, and um, yeah, it slowly um, grew, and I think it took a few years actually to sort of grow. But once it sort of really got to a point. Um, I remember um, we, we started, um, I guess, serving the school and running some uh, lunchtime programs and just um, saying, how can we help these students at school? And, yeah, it went, went pretty crazy. So we were having, yeah, a lot of students uh, from the school come along and, um, yeah, it was really fun. But I've, I realised then that, yes, I was passionate about farming, but I also was passionate about making a difference. Um, and it was a lot of fun too, just getting out and running youth group programs. Mm. in there so you're a people person you say love it yeah. yeah love people and yeah i think from then on i was walking this line where i love the farm and i did farming for also worked on the farm for a lot longer um but i knew that people was going to be a big part of where i was going to go in the in the future okay yeah so where did that take you uh, as a you know that inkling of that there's something more beyond the farm um yeah how, how did where did it progress from there yeah so uh, well, I mean, a lot of this comes to my from my um, my faith and my um, belief that um, people matter in life and and serving people. It's not just about your own gain, and so mm-hmm. that was my personal conviction. And so um, the youth group, as I served other young people, I really uh, like found a huge amount of um, satisfaction in that and seeing them um, grow and. So, yeah, so the transition became like it was a natural one over time as the youth group grew to about 70 and there was things happening. I was like, I can't do this and the farm. And, yeah, we we I had to make some bigger decisions about what I was going to do with, in the future, which is quite hard because I obviously love the farm and mm. I talk about tractors. I, mm. I enjoyed um, the, mm. the mm. farm lifestyle, but um, I really felt that that's where I needed to be going. Mm. In, as in youth work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was God a part of your upbringing or is that something you discovered later on? Yeah, very much so, um, Sarah. Yeah, so um, grew up, my parents were were uh, strong Christians, but it was something I guess I made the decision um, and owned a bit older in life or, you know, not old. Um, you know, I guess you can just live under what your parents believe, but I really, um, when I was eight, I made a, a commitment to yeah, I really understood a bit more of of what it really meant to to follow Jesus. But you know, again, I, when I went to some camps and through the youth work, I I remember um really uh, realizing that it wasn't just a uh, something you believed or you know something you did on a Sunday, but it would become something that um is a passion. And, and I guess I needed to make a decision for myself, not just because my family um, believed that you know. And so yeah, and I was um, I really felt that um, you know god was calling me to serve youth and serve other people and i wanted them to experience what i'd experienced um in in my faith journey as well which led to this amazing adventure (laughs) you know including um yeah we ran a lot of camps and um youth services across the whole region and you know the really exciting thing um you know we we talked to a lot of people um from different churches but we used to get together you know, it didn't matter. We had people that were from the Catholic Church, from the Anglican Church, from the 
Church of Christ um, and Baptist and anybody else in between. And we used to come together for youth services. And I think out in the country, there's a sense, a bit more of a sense of uh, that it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We, we, get, we get together around, um, you know, to celebrate God. And so, yeah, that I think it was great. We I bought a bus and um, we bus kids, um, nice. you know, around to different places and we'd go to, from, to Locke down to um, uh, Port Lincoln and even took kids over to conferences in Adelaide and even Sydney. That's a long drive. Yeah, it is a long with, drive. With teenagers, it's a long drive. That's a very long drive with teenagers. <laughs> but how did your life change after you did this act when you were eight and you made this decision? Good question. Yeah, so I think it's a um, a gradual thing for me where I started to, I think, let my decisions be come out of not just my own desires but out of, um, yeah, the compassion that I have that God had given me for others and yeah, understanding what he had done for me in the, the he'd laid down his life that my life wasn't my own to gain um, but, you know, as I gave it away, so to speak, then I'd actually gain, I'd actually gain the real, find out what life was really about, sorry. Mm-hmm. So I found as I shared my life with others, um, you know, my life was so full and so meaningful um, as I was able to help others. And so I, th- I, and really I actually think seeing other people really come alive, I don't know if there's anything greater in life mm-hmm. when you see somebody really get it themselves. Mm. So I you, gave my life that, yeah. How did so. you go about telling other young people and how did they respond when you told them? I think I didn't tell them as much as invite them on an adventure and we would do, we are a youth group, we did some pretty crazy stuff. Um, as you do. As you do in the country. <laughs> uh, I might have share all the stories. Um, but it was just, <laughs> just a lot of fun, you know, and as we did, did life together and shared experiences, um, you know, there was, we would also share part of our stories. And so it would be myself or somebody else would share a bit about what Jesus meant to them um, at the end of the night or, and, you know, over time people would come to see a change in, in us and, and want to know a bit more. And then the, the question would come, you know, what, what makes you different or um, what is it about Jesus? Why do you, you seem like a half reasonable person. Why do you, why do you believe in this Jesus that lived so long ago? Um, and how is that relevant to me? Yeah. So there's the questions come and, and it become a conversation rather than a, a telling. Mm. Um, hmm. yeah. What would you say to any young people who are listening or watching this right now who might be like you, might might be that 8-year-old, might be that 15-year-old that has been brought up in that house but they're actually trying to make their own decisions about where to go and what to follow and what to do? What would you say to them right now? Yeah. Um, make your own decision, like work out what you believe for yourself, um, whether it's that or not. It's better to make your own decision than to just walk along um, in the in the shadow of somebody else so yeah that is incredibly freeing to know what you believe and to not be afraid of questions yeah fantastic it's not the end of the interview there is more to come here on life versus sarah and matt hey did you know this show is available in video too you can find it at rawcut.com.au So, John and Matt, you two actually know each other. 
There it's is true. a story it's there. True. Have we worked it out? Do we know the time we were talking of <laughs> the filming? I think it's two stories, but I'm well, Okay, it. Matt, what's your story? <laughs> well, we met in Adelaide, but so my question to to you, John, is that having I've lived on the Air Peninsula and I know I know yeah, no, we'll get there. Okay, I know okay. how little we um People on the Air Peninsula love to travel to the city, like they don't, uh, yeah. unless they have to. So, sure. but you ended up in Adelaide. So, tell us about the process of moving. Yeah, we can get to where we met, and that, after and that, that will yeah. come after. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you've been like overrun there, do you? <laughs> Overall. <laughs> Overall. Um, so, um, so yeah. So I was enjoying life in um, on the farm, mm. and then the youth ministry was a, was something that I invested a lot more time into, and. Um, actually, um, yes, I left the farm and invested in youth ministry, and that led me to I was actually running a lawn mowing round. Um, this is a long story, but um, and then actually, I'm a maintenance worker as well at the local hospital. This is just to to pay the bills while I was doing volunteer youth work because it wasn't wasn't paid, and also become the chaplain at Port Lincoln High. So there was a a whole lot of um, and those things were all happening together in a part-time capacity. So I was um, a maintenance, um, lawn mowing, chaplain person. Mm. Yeah. So and youth worker, um, and uh, yeah, and plus some um, actually leading a, a small church there as well in town. So all that together was keeping me quite busy. Um, yeah, and a lot changed over. That was for a three-year um, bracket where I was wasn't on the farm, but I was doing youth ministry and. Yeah, and a lot of things changed and I felt like it was time to do something different um, and for a few different reasons. And, yeah, and this job um, out of the blue come up at uh, Urbray High School looking for a full-time chaplain. And I thought, well, I do like chaplaincy and I do like ag. Um, so what if I could, you know, get, see if I could apply for that job? And I thought... Uh, you know, because they sort of said they'd like somebody that they preferably had a few qualifications that I didn't have. And so I thought the chances were low, but I put my, thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll just see. And so I put uh, my name in, in the ring, so to speak, and um, yeah, and got the job, had an interview and got the job um, and was a full-time chaplain, moved to the city as a full-time chaplain. Um, and life was different. Mm. <laughs> So, yeah, and then not long after that, I think that's to answer your question, Sarah, is where we, we met. And there's a little bit of discrepancy exactly where. <laughs> so <I've got laughs> but I do, remember, I do remember pancake brec- breakfasts at Patter Cake um, on Duthie Street. Give a shout-out for them down there. Um, <laughs> but we had a youth um, network gathering and um, you were at uh, Westbourne Park? or Yeah, yep. so uh, school chaplains are supported by local churches and I was the youth pastor at a local church. So yeah. Met John as a part of that network, which was uh, yeah a few years ago now. Yeah, fantastic group there. Mm. I remember we had uh, great breakfasts and coffees down there, and some really good chats about life and supporting you know, youth. So yeah, it's a little while back there, and and then you did the uh, went to Cummins. So we heard on your last interview. So yes, yeah, so uh, we got wind of a, the job in Cummins, and and I so I sussed John out because so we, uh, you know what's it really like. <laughs> So I had the insider, insider goss, and it must yeah. have been all positive. Yeah. yeah. I remember I thought you're just either really interested <laughs> <laughs> or you want to go there. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad it went worked out well for you. So, um, yes, yeah, so I ended up in the city. Mm. And what was that like, the chaplaincy role there, as opposed to uh, the things you'd done back on in the country, I guess, back on the Air Peninsula? Yeah, it was actually um, 
the people, the, a lot of the students that come there were from country or regional, even if it was just the hills. They, they had that sort of country vibe, mm. so to speak. Um, and so there was a really easy connection, I felt, um, with the people there. Um, very different living in the city, but really enjoyed the, the school and what they had to offer. And my role was very much uh, just connecting with youth and supporting um, young people, which I'd done a lot of. Uh, a bit more intense. I remember a lot of people would come just to chat and to, so I found myself just listening to people um, and like not so much counselling, just listening and supporting people and then referring. So it's a really interesting role, chaplaincy. Mm. Uh, really get to hear a lot of stories, whether it's staff, uh, students, uh, walk some roads with people. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So I ended up being there for eight years. Right. Must have enjoyed something there. Yes. And had some fantastic opportunities. Um, went on um, some kayaking camps. Um, I got to go on the fun camps. Rock climbing in Mount Arapiles. Um, did that a few times. That's so camping and climbing and, um, yeah, and just, yeah, lots of other little, little experiences in camps and um, really enjoyed my time. They had a... Uh, running farm there so for those that don't know and there's just a lot of like at lunchtime there's like pig club cattle club um sheep club goat club believe it or not um yeah and lots of other clubs um, clubs as well and so kids just get out and so we had a photography club that i was running as well um which was a lot of fun and um yeah i also used to bring a dog into school so just to connect with people and, um, mm. yeah, it's a bit different being able to bring a dog to work. Mm. Um, but, you know, surprising bringing a, a Labrador. Um, Molly was the lovely dog's name. And as she would walk, we'd walk down the corridor. Um, it was amazing. People would you'd connect with kids that would never talk to, talk to you. Mm. And um, quite often, you know, if someone was really upset, they would pat the dog for a few minutes and then they'd tell you anything they wanted to because they felt something, they felt calmer. Isn't there something about dogs, isn't there? Yeah, animals. Non-judgmental. Yes. So, yes, that was so, yeah, really good time there. And um, I learnt a lot. I was still very much on a learning journey there. So and they put up with me. Yeah. That is. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And it sounds like I know you've uh, you've talked about a few of your interests early on, but it, it tapped into your hobbies as well, being able to, to unleash into kayaking and some of the things that you're really interested in. Uh, sure. As a part of your job. Yeah. I mean, I, it was a bit scared in the end because I went on the kayaking camp and went, come back and bought kayaks. Uh-huh. So that was the beginning. <laughs> and then I went, <laughs> then I went on a, a rock climbing trip, trip and I thought, oh, I don't know if I, I really like this, but I can't just keep buying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I was careful what camps I went in after that, went on after that. But um, yeah, and also the photography was uh, something that really grew when I was in Adelaide, um, the opportunities to um, take photos. Right. We'll come back to that yeah. uh, as we get uh, to what you're doing now, um, some exciting opportunities for you as well. For sure. Well, it's uh, it's been really good to chat to you. We've got more still to come. Um, we're chatting to John. This is Life Birth. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. On Life Burst, we are chatting to John, and John has had a, a, an amazing story so far. Ended up in Herbray as the, the chaplain, mm. or whatever you might call that. Uh, where did life take you from there? Um, what was your transition out after eight years? 
Yeah, well, in that time, I actually met my wife. So it was uh, that was a she was actually a chaplain. Um, they called them CPSWs thing back then. So it's, the name has changed a fair mm-hmm. bit, but but I think chaplain people know generally what chaplains do. But at a conference, um, yeah, we actually met. So that so that time was was not wasted. <laughs> okay, so a little bit more detail. Oh, do you want to? Yeah, okay. No, I this time you jump. You jump. Yeah, I'll just jump to your question now, and we'll come back to how uh-huh. I met you. <laughs> back at you. Um, <laughs> um, so I met um, Alicia. Uh, yeah, at the conference. So and but the funny thing was, we sort of only really like knew who each other were. Sort of moved in different circles in in those conferences, and I was a bit bit nervous. Like she was just. Well, she's out of my league a little bit, you know. Um, so I did never really said like properly chatted to her, but soon after that I met her at a young adults camp, and I thought I'm not going to waste this opportunity. Got to do this. <laughs> going to step up and make <laughs> it happen. Hello. So it started off with hello, and we yeah, and then we I think the first day of the camp, the young adult camp, we ended up playing um, some mini golf, and. Uh, made sure I was in the group, sort of walked in so that it was numbered off in the right group, you know, all that planning. Oh, yeah, strategic. Yeah. I don't know if she knows that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, we hit it off and just had... Um, hit it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Matt. It's on fire. And I can see where you guys are good at your jobs. I tell you, it's good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. really good. Um, and we, uh, yeah, so the first, first uh, day was great. And then, yeah, I think... The, um after that scared her off a little bit <laughs> so um and how but we finished well, how? <laughs> there was just yeah there was just a bit of um miscommunication is probably the best word of way of saying it and so okay. um yeah and just like um few people that um i guess she'd heard different things about she didn't really trust me so a little bit of time went over so i i um after camp contact her on good old messenger facebook messenger and said oh, hi you know um you know and we sort of started chatting a little bit on there she, i think she left it about a week between each chat just to keep me just to <laughs> you, keep me guessing like cool play quite cool we ended up catching up and um from then on i knew when we from when we caught up um, went down the beach and just sat down had fish and chips and uh a good yarn down the beach and yeah from then on it was it was really we knew there was some um, yeah we just had so much in common and um, I think uh, the word, yeah, love grew pretty quickly. So. I want to know, did the young people at that camp know that you were, like, into her? Like, <laughs> did they know? Yes, I think it was pretty obvious. Oh, <laughs> what did they say? What did they do? <laughs> well, I think, like, um, well, it was just a little bit awkward because um, an ex was there. That this is pretty there. So that's sort of where things got a little bit complicated, and so I think that's why yeah we needed a bit of bit of time after camp to sort of connect and just share and um, yeah. So and you know what those things become um, make you stronger. I think in the end, and, yeah. yeah. So that's and it's yeah it, it's honestly. Um, a miracle sometimes when you hear people's stories, how they actually get together, and I think ours is too. Like, but she she obviously um, wasn't too scared away. She, no. Yeah, so. I asked that question because I've been a young person in a youth group watching two youth leaders <laughs> come together, <laughs> and you were all, and you all know that they yes. like each other now. They're married and have a couple of kids. Well, this but. was a youth, uh, sorry, young adult camp, so everyone was sort of around the same age. So it wasn't sort of like oh, the leaders okay. um, so much. But yeah, it was. This is it was a really good camp. I think. I think it's called 20s plus camp, so get on it if you're not on it already. Yeah. Okay. If you need 
you know, it's just, good tip. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad, you got, glad you got through that. Glad you got through that. No, no, to ask how he proposed yeah. to her. Clearly, oh, they're okay. married because there's a ring, and there has to be a story of this oh, story right. already. Yeah, this is a good, good one. Well, interestingly enough, the proposal was a was a bit of a drawn out thing because I tried. She, my, my wife, um, Alicia. Um, loves aeroplanes, so I knew aeroplanes were going to have to be involved in this proposal. So I had a friend and I, who's a pilot, I thought we're going to do something really special and fly her over to KI, fly over a beach, and we're going to write "Marry Me" on the ground, and it's going to be like epic. Amazing. So I planned this out twice, and both times there was a reason why the plane was grounded, and I'd made a had to make a, a reason up why our date wasn't going ahead or whatever. <laughs> so after that, she was getting a bit like. Are you gonna ever like ask me? <laughs> and uh, so she was house sitting at a near the airport, and um, I went down to visit. And I thought something's got to happen, like because she's starting to really think I don't love her. Like I'm not gonna ask her to marry her. So I thought I really have to make something happen soon. So I rang up my family on in Port Lincoln and um, said, "Look, if I can fly over there." Um, like in the morning, I was really like, um, can you give us a, like, give me a car with a, um, like, can we get a car there and so, some, um, you know, um, some a picnic and a few nice things. So to make it a really special day. And they said, oh yeah, yeah we'd love to be a part of that. Um, who doesn't want to be a part of it? I know, right? Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we ended up, um, fly, so I surprised her. So let's just go to the, the airport for, for, um, coffee in the morning, which is not surprising because she likes coffees and planes so she was not okay. suspicious right that's, but I, that would be very weird if i may have said to her like make sure you um like pack some overnight clothes or something but which must have got a little bit weird i think when you think about <laughs> like so we're just going for a date to the airport and you want me to pack just some overnight pack, yeah. clothes but anyway um we went we flew and she was it was really exciting just to fly out and she didn't know where we we're going until we got on the plane and um, and yeah, and we went over there and we went back and played some mini golf just for traditions. Sake. <laughs> um, I think she beat me, but I'm not sure if whether I let her or not. That's a <laughs> story. Um, but we ended up at a beach and the sun, I couldn't, sometimes you can't plan things as good as they turn out. And, um, I had brought some candles, but I didn't think it through because how many times do you really think you can light candles on a beach without the wind blowing out? Yeah. But this night you could. Okay. Oh. So it was the sun was setting and there was not a breath of wind and these candles lit. So um, there's tea light candles. I, I sort of said, oh, I need to go to the bathroom or something really romantic and, and set up this. She walked away and set up this lovely um, setting. And, uh, yeah, it just was just such a nice evening um, on on a, a beach out on the West Coast. Um, and like I said, there was no one on the beach. Amazing. So it was really good. And, yeah, from there, yeah, the story just went from there. So one knee. Definitely got down on one knee <laughs> and said, sure? will you marry me? And there was emotion on my part as well, I must say. So it was pretty special hearing, even though you know that we, we think you know, when you hear someone say, yes, I want to spend the rest yeah. of your life with you. Um, and, yeah, we were both not young, young, so we knew – what we want, we knew where we were in life, and um, we knew we want we wanted to be together. So it was just really exciting to know that was going to happen. Yeah. How old were you? So I was thirty three then. So and she would have been twenty nine. Mm. All right, I'll go with eight just in case. That's what's been. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. really special to share that with all of us. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Good memories. 
and then you became two, but the family didn't stay that way as well. You've things have grown. Yes, yeah. So it was a bit of a gap. Like um, for the first uh, four years, um, yeah, we well, yeah, we weren't able to have um, kids straight away, which was um good for us, I think, to cement our our marriage and spend time together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we you know we went to New Zealand um, on a holiday, and uh, I remember a few holidays like that where it was just really great. Just to, like now with kids, it's just a little bit harder to do those sort yes. of things. I'm sure you'd understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, but then, um, yeah, we were very blessed to have, um, our son Caleb, um, and then Benjamin. So he's, so Caleb's now three, um, just turned three a few weeks ago and Benjamin's, um, yeah, he's six months tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes. There you go. Um, so yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. (laughs) This is my first. We've just had a very romantic story from John. <laughs> we'll be back with more with Sarah and Matt. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut community service announcement. So, John, you have just shared with us a lovely story of your wife and how you met her. Let's go back to your work and what you did once you left Herbray. Sure. So, like I said, I really enjoyed my time at Herbray and mm-hmm. it was very um, much, sorry, just being, being there with people, I think, just spending time with people. Mm-hmm. And But I felt like I needed to push myself a little bit to, um, it was, I was, I enjoyed it and I was, I think I was reasonably good at what I did and loved the connections I was making. And over eight years, you really see people walk through a journey of life. So I really enjoyed and valued that bit, but felt like it was time to just do something a little bit different mm-hmm. and allow someone else to come in too with new, new skill sets. And so I, um, um, ended up at Unley Park Baptist for, for a short stint there as a youth pastor and that, cause that's what I'd done in the past. And, but really realised then that I, I like chaplaincy was was something I really missed about the chaplaincy, and ended up at Hills Christian Community School, um, which is a fantastic uh, school that we've done, um, and they just moved to their first year twelves. They'd been building up from like from year eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve with their secondary school, um, so I was there for their first year as so I was chaplain at the school. Um, it was only a few days a week, but in a Christian school, it was a very different role to being in a um, being yeah at a, at a state school. So I was able mm-hmm. to share um, yeah openly about my faith, and obviously that was my role um, to share. And um, in that in that um, context of connect, connected with Matt again, who was in the hills and come in and you shared a lot as well, some um, devotions and with our staff and our and our students and. Mm. So yeah, I had the opportunity to lead the school in the spiritual um, space there for for the like, for four years, and um, which was a real honour. Um, just really enjoyed um, being in that that space, and um, yeah, and, and obviously a lot of the skills that I'd learnt in youth work um, and also in the chaplaincy had really come across, and I need, obviously grew a lot in my upfront. That the biggest change was a lot a lot of upfront. Uh, sharing and uh, yeah so yeah once again ended up on some lots of camps and doing lots of fun things um in the school there and uh, also um you know hearing a lot of really difficult stories um my role 
Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was four years um, in the hills, which is where we're living, by the way. We got married and um, my wife was um, working at Kersbrook um, and I was working at Urbray. So we sort of drew a line and we're like, we could live the northern, like northern suburbs of Adelaide or you know, northeast sort of thing, um, or we could live in the hills. I think we'll go to the hills, but <laughs> being country. Good choice. Yeah, good choice. Hey. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we, so moving up here was to, to work up here was, was a, a bit of a decision too to be closer to family, mm-hmm. um, being able to get home a bit earlier as well. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and, yeah, photography become. I know. I really want to talk about your photography. We're going to have some pictures uh, pop up on the screen of your photography as well for those who are watching us via video podcast. But how did that sure. start? Yeah. Well, interesting. I should have. It sort of goes back a little bit when I was working at Urbray. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was trying. Like it's not a highly paid role, the chaplaincy um, at either school. So one of the ways that I was um, like trying to uh, get a bit more income was some um, photography. And that started when I was on a mission trip in Papua New Guinea um, and I just bought a SLR camera, um, which is a, a really a beginner's camera, the one I had, and there was no one with a camera on the trip. So they said, do you want to be the trip photographer? And I thought, well, I sort of have to be, don't I? <laughs> I've got the camera. <laughs> you haven't got the camera. So um, I took some photos there and, and they turned out pretty well. Uh, and so then I... A few people said, oh, can you photograph my 21st or birthday party? And and then um, someone said to me out of the blue, um, friends of mine, um, Isaac and Eden, hello, mm-hmm. um, um, Telfer, they said, oh, can you do our wedding photos? And I thought, oh, there's a big jump between doing a <laughs> birthday party and a wedding. So um, I had some help along the way um, from a few friends, um, professional photographers. And, yes, I did I photograph my first wedding, first speak right first <laughs> wedding yeah. and uh and actually the yeah surprisingly enough they turned out all right and i really enjoyed one thing i learned is i really enjoyed uh, as a people person being a part of someone's day and not just the photos but serving them um, and being a part of the day mm-hmm. so i grew in those skills and have been doing wedding photography for 10 years um, and still continuing and loving that and yeah when so yeah, I've come through a bit of a transition in the last uh, the last twelve months. So of what now? Oh yes, yeah, so oh, yeah, don't, don't leave us hanging. <laughs> okay. What are you doing now? Good question. Um, so the last um, the end of last year, um, so in October, I decided that uh, it was time to pursue my photography. Um, not that I wasn't passionate about my role, but I felt like. It was time to um, pursue that. And, you know, having grown up with uh, my parents and being able to work with them, I really enjoyed working with my dad. And I thought I'd love my sons, you know, in 10, 20 years' time to be able to have the opportunity to, to go on adventures with their dad. And so I um, started a business called Adventure Art um, Photography, um, and that's all about photography adventures. So taking people out. Um, sort of, you know, out, I guess, from a school's point of view, out the red, sort of some of the camp experiences that I've had. Yeah. Um, so going to the Flinders Ranges and taking people out on experiences like that, as well as, um, you know, photos of the Milky Way, um, lightning sort of workshops and, uh, um, you know, even getting out in the autumn in the hills and taking some photos of the leaves. So, um, so yeah, a bit of a new phase for myself and still enjoying uh, taking photos of weddings. So I've sort of jumped in the deep end, a bit of a massive step of faith with our two kids to feed. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so so far um, this year has been a really great year uh, of weddings. Um, seeming like COVID really affected us last year mm. um, and affected a yeah. lot of people that In were trying to get yeah. married. Yeah. yeah. So um, this year has been a good year for, I think people are now feeling a bit more confident in that. So mm. yeah. So a bit of a change. Yeah. Where has your faith, no, yeah. where, where, where is your faith in all of this? Yeah. Well, interestingly right. enough, cause that, that was been, uh, that was probably the hardest part of the decision was I've, you can see a theme of, um, you know, faith being very much through my journey. Mm. Um, and I really believe that it's really who you are um, that is the biggest part of that. It's not necessarily the role you have. And sometimes the role can be really helpful, but um, sometimes the role, as I'm sure you know, as a pastor, Matt, sometimes people will then put their put the wall up as well and go, oh, I'm not sure about whether I want to engage with that. And um, you know, the first tour tour I did, photography tour I did, I, we ended up chatting with a few people afterwards and just great people. And they said, oh, can we can we sit down and have a chat with you at the pub? And we had some really good ch- chats about photography and faith and life. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have had those conversations either. So just um, bringing, being who I am. And I've also pushed in um, and, you know, a bit more in my commitments to, to my local church, um, Hills Baptist, and I'm in an eldership role there. Um, so I'm finding plenty of opportunities through my uh, to share my faith, and um, and I, I find when I'm out at, out in creation taking photos and taking people on a journey that those opportunities are really special mm-hmm. as well. So you know, there's nothing like sitting out and looking at the Milky Way. You know, it's not hard to bring up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it points us to a higher being, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. God, God being out there. So yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, even your photography it captures that. Uh, um, you know, what you're observing on Facebook, you've posted some of your photos over the years. They are awe-inspiring, the, the way you've captured the Milky Way and mm. some of those things. And uh, it's a real gift to be able to do that and a bit of, bit of effort and uh, energy gone into to capturing that on the screen as well. Mm. So uh, I can see why people are uh, drawn to, to want to know more. And you've probably had lots of questions along the way mm. of, uh, you know, how did you get that? How did mm. you capture that shot? And uh, you've now got a way to do that, to mm. show people... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I um I know a few people in my life have said if you can um, make your passion your job, you know, that's the ultimate aim. And mm-hmm. life life's sort of too short. And I I know that you know you've got to be careful with that as in a way too because you know sometimes we can do things that are really unwise. But um, this one was a is a calculated risk, and mm-hmm. um, yes, there's definitely a risk involved. But um, there's a massive upside, and um, I'm really blessed to have some good people that have also been able to support me in, in some work if I need it as well. So, um, and I'm enjoying the family, the family time as well, which just comes along with it. So. so we're coming to the end of our interview. So as you know, the question we like to ask all of our guests at the end is if you had one piece or maybe in your case, multiple pieces of advice <laughs> <laughs> to give to our listeners, sure. what would that be today? Yes. Well, firstly, Know where you stand with God, and I, I don't mean that in a sort of a weird way, but I believe that's a pretty important question to to sort through for yourself. We've talked about that, but for me, I just know, you know, knowing um, who you're created to be is such a incredibly um, incredible thing for your identity that you know know who you are. And um, for me, I know that I am enough outside of what I do. I think if you don't know you're enough outside of what you do, you'll always try to prove yourself, and you know you'll never feel enough. Doesn't matter whether you have a million dollars or 
um, you chase that dream and become whatever you think you're going to be. Um, so for me, I know that I start out knowing that I'm already enough because God's created me for, for purpose. And so I believe that's pretty important. Uh, secondly, I think um, life's an adventure um, and to to embrace it and to not not die wondering, so to speak. So for me, I believe like um, in, you know, jumping in and going for it and whatever that that is and um, and embracing the things that are really important, you know, and for me, that's family um, and holding on uh, to that as my number one, you know, after God. So, yeah, so that's not one piece, is it? But um, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> three things. So, yeah, get uh, you make sure you know where you stand with God because your life lives out of that. Um, life's an adventure. Um, so, yeah, just uh, enjoy it and, you know, press into things that really matter in life. Um, and, yeah, I've really appreciated uh, the opportunity to share with you guys. So, well, this has been um, a really special show, by the way. So it's been good to be a part of. Aww. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for sharing, for opening up about all of those things and uh, and sharing a bit of your photography with us along the way as well. Um, it's it's just really, really good to hear, hear that story and the wisdom you shared. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, John. This has been Life First. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from or you can watch us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, My name is Sarah. I'm Matt. Thanks again so much for joining us. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan with additional assistance by Brett Freeman. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a raw cut production.